0: When I'm standing here, I'm, I'm so hyper aware of the fact that I'm standing on the shoulders of generations who have gone before me and prepared the way who like in Hebrews 11, it's, it's kind of like the hall of fame for faith. They by faith, they they pursued certain things in God, but they did not see it in their lifetimes because Hebrews 12 says there was something better for us. And, and tonight, look, I'm already starting to preach. Tonight, uh, 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 <laughs> you guys are sitting in the seat. You're here tonight, not by coincidence, but you might even live in Albany, and you don't know why you're in Albany, but you're here because God is a God of covenant. And for throughout the generations, maybe a 1,000 years ago, there was an ancestor that lived on this land, and, and they met God, and God promised something to them, but they did not see the promise, so God brought you to enter into their promise. So, all that to say, <laughs> I normally start with a song, but we just did it. We just did the song of the Lord for tonight. And it was interesting that Pastor Michael was kind of laboring up here. He, he, he felt like we, it wasn't quite time to, to transition from worship because he felt like there was a sound. Somebody say a sound. All right, say it one more time. Now say it like you're at a black church. A sound. There we go. I know you got it in you. Now go ahead and give God a hand clap of praise. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there is a sound. Now, God, give give him one more hand clap of praise. Congratulations. You have just been to a black church service. But it's interesting because I don't even know what it means. The Holy Spirit is the interpreter. I'm just the messenger. But as I was praying and said, God, what are you wanting to do? What are you looking for in Albany? And he said, native sound. Native sound. God is looking for a sound. Now, it's interesting as well that earlier, Pastor Michael referenced Brownsville. He asked if anybody was familiar with the Brownsville revival. Um, I heard it. I was up in the in the room up there, so I didn't see if any hands were raised. But interestingly enough, I wasn't planning to tell this story, but I I feel like this is my invitation so that you can know a little bit about me. But I grew up in the Missionary Baptist Church in North Carolina. I was raised by a godly family. My parents were were uh, um, were awesome godly uh, parents. And uh, my dad grew up in the Jim Crow South. He was in his mid-twenties before he ever walked through the front door of a public business because the laws of Jim Crow said that there was a fountain for white people and a fountain for black people. There was a door for white people and a door for black people. So he grew up in that in that era. And I grew up in a small town that was very racially polarized, racially divided. Uh, uh, ethnically divided what you'll hear tonight is that I don't even use the term race I use the term ethnicity there's several reasons for that but the main reason is that there's actually only one race and it's the human race that's filled with different ethnicities and cultures okay so Anyway, I grew up in this town, and my parents had very exacting standards for me and my my siblings that uh, educationally and academically and different things. And so uh, my dad worked really hard, never made more than $10 an hour, Um, worked third shift in the the textile mills and saved his money. And we lived in a really nice house. He just had a value for it. So long story short, I did not grow up in the hood. Um, And uh, so... I was in the academically gifted classes. I was the only black guy in those classes. There was no such thing as Asian, Latino. We actually had one Hispanic guy, a foreign exchange student from Mexico uh, named Carlos, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, it's the Mexican guy. I mean, like, it was, like, just stunning because in this town it was black and white. And uh, so I was in between the two worlds, and, and uh, when I, I spent my time around white folks. And so uh, in my most formative years, are you still with me? I know I'm talking fast. In my most formative years, um, I was into what they were into. They were into this band called Green Day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That was in the days of Nirvana. Here we are now, in tater. you know. And so, like, if that's what they were into, that's what I was into. And so uh, I, I began to be influenced by that culture. And then in between classes, though, I tried to hang with the brothers. You know what I'm saying? Trying to hang with the black folks. And so they were like, why are you hanging with us, man? You ain't one of us. You are Oreo. You're, you're black on the outside and white on the inside. You, you live in that nice house on the hill. You don't understand the struggle. So I actually went through an identity struggle. And I began to uh, hang out with everybody, trying to find myself, because at the end of the day, I was too black for the white people and too white for the black people. And so I went through this identity struggle during the most uh, formative years of my life. And then a, a young dude from a church in town, uh, I thought they were a cult, uh, because it was this white church, and, you know, the, the pastor had, like, long hair down the here, and I went and visited their youth group one time, and the youth pastor came out in a Batman costume, and the associate youth pastor came out in a Robin costume, and then he said, it's time to worship, and these guys got up with shorts on and sandals. Now, I'm from the Missionary Baptist Church. If you are a man of God, you wear a suit and a tie or a robe. You don't come out no no Batman stuff. I'm like, what kind of cult is this? They got sandals on. I'm like, don't nobody want to look at your toes while you leave worship, man? So I'm, like, trying to figure out what's going on. And anyway, bottom line, so I thought these people were crazy. Um, but my friend that goes to this youth group, he said, hey, um, we're taking a trip down to Florida. Do you want to go? I didn't even ask questions. I'm like, free trip to Florida? Yeah, I'm in, bro. And so we go down to this, This we go down to Florida and we we show up. I mean, it's like a, a ten-hour drive from North Carolina where we are. We show up at this church, and 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 there's tents all through the parking lot with RVs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what in the world is this? Like, you mean to tell me we drove ten hours to come to church, bro? Like, my mom was the choir director. My dad's a deacon. I'm like, yo, I I I, I didn't have to drive ten hours to go to church. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is nuts. We're in this parking lot to get into this service, and it's this place in Pensacola called the Brownsville Assembly of God. And I'm in this parking lot, and I begin to see supernatural things happening in that parking lot that I didn't think were possible outside of a George Lucas film. I mean, it was like crazy stuff was happening. And people were waiting in line for 12 hours to get into a 7 o'clock p.m church service. And we get into this service, and this guy, the, the crazy evangelist that he referenced earlier tonight with the, with the cassette tapes, he was up there that night, and he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, and he talked about how you need the power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy and a consecrated life, and then he did an altar call. Now, somehow, they had two overflow sanctuaries. We're in the main sanctuary, and, uh, and uh, somehow, he does this altar call, To receive the power of the Holy Spirit on your life. And I don't know how I got down to the altar from the balcony. I mean, there's like 2,000 people in there. Somehow, I, I don't know, I might have like floated off the balcony or something. Like, I'm not, but somehow I ended up right in front of him, like right here where this speaker is. He's right here. And as soon as I got there, he looked at me and he said, Son, Did you receive the power of the Holy Spirit when you first believed? Fire! That's what he does. Now, I kid you not, nobody touched me. And, you know, we can be evangelistic up here. We can stretch things. But but I, I tell you the truth. It felt like I flew off the ground three feet. Nobody touched me. It was like I got hit in my stomach. And I fell on the floor. And as I fell on the floor, I saw the heavens opened, And I'm looking at, at, at these clouds that looked like an ocean, but the clouds were not white. They were red, and it was, like, it was like waves of fire. So I'm looking at the expanse of the sky, and I see waves of fire. And I hear the voice of the Lord. He says, Son... From your youth, I've laid my hand upon you and set you apart, and I've made you, and I'm making you a messenger of fire. He says, from the days of your youth, I've set you apart, and I'm making you a messenger of fire. I come out of the vision, and I thought that maybe I had been in the vision for like two seconds or or 20 seconds. When I wake up, I'm in our hotel room, and it's four hours later. Now, in the book of Revelation, John goes, and he sees heaven open. He he enters into the visions of God. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel sits by the river Kabar, and it says for seven days he was astounded he was in the visions of God. There is a place in the Spirit called the visions of God. And so what happened is God settled My cultural identity issue and my ethnic identity issue, remember, I started by telling you that I was caught between two worlds. I was too white for the black people, too black for the white people. I tried to hang out with the thugs and be a thug. That didn't work. I tried to hang out with the the golfers. I couldn't afford the country club fee. I tried to be a skateboarder and a rollerblader. And after a couple of falls, I was like, nah, black people don't do this stuff. And so what happened What? But God then took me up in the spirit, and he settled the issue. He says, you are my son. I laid my hand upon you, and I've made you a messenger of fire. He settled my identity issue. He settled my acceptance issue, and he gave me a mission. And today, we're in a culture where the identity issue, where the acceptance issues, and where the issue of purpose is raging in the form of civil and cultural unrest. And I believe God desires to release messengers who can carry the native sound from the native land. And what's the native land? The native land is the reality that you and I are strangers in the earth that we're aliens passing through. And we're not from corruptible seed, and we can't continue to operate with our corruptible seed, our corruptible nature, our, our, our being born in Adam of a human, of flesh. This flesh tent that you see is of the corruptible seed. We're born in Adam, and we have an Adamic nature, but when we're born of the Spirit in Christ, we have what, we're born in, through the messiah and we have a messianic nature we have a nature that's totally opposite and totally different from our worldly nature it's the incorruptible seed, and god has us in this place where he is inviting the the, the alien people in the earth this peculiar people that's comprised of every tribe and tongue and nation to begin to operate in our native language in our native sound. Jay, this is too intense. I don't understand what you're saying. It's okay. So I greet you tonight. That was just my introduction. Is that okay? I didn't plan to tell that story, but you brought up Brownsville. It's your fault. Okay. (laughs) I greet you, and I'm going to speak to you not just as like your brother Or cool, like, guest speaker. But I'm really on assignment tonight. And the Holy Spirit knows what that assignment is. All I know is he said, I want the native sound from Albany. And I know that as I greet you tonight, I'm greeting you in the name of the matchless king of heaven. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord who is strong and mighty. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were made that are in heaven and that are on earth, things that are visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers. All things. Somebody say all things. No, somebody say all things. All things were created through him, and all things were created for him. He is before He is before all things. and in him consists. All things consist in him. And he is the head of the body, which is the church, who is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead, so that he might have the preeminence in. There's something we have to understand about the times that we've been in, the times we're living in, and the times we're going to live in. It's that all things are from God, all things are through God, and all things are to God. And Jesus, the King of Kings, is coming to reconcile all things. So the ministry of reconciliation is not just... Let's get a bunch of white people to apologize to black people and have them wash their feet or get a whole bunch of Hispanic folks to to be apologized to by white folks or whatever. No, no. The ministry of reconciliation is Jesus reconciling our past to him. He's reconciling our present to him, and he's reconciling our future to him. It's the ministry of being reconciled to God, even the most painful parts of our history is the ability to be able to answer the question where was god in slavery you see every people group on the earth has some kind of existential question if you've ever done evangelism or counseling there are people who say well if god is good then why did he why did he allow my uncle to rape me so much if god is good then why did my dad die when i was 3 is that if god is then why Well, it pleased the Father that in Christ the fullness should dwell. And that through Christ, he would reconcile all things to himself. So the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah saw Jesus as king. And in, in Isaiah six, if you would look at Isaiah six, in Isaiah chapter six, starting at verse one. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high. And exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts in the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This happened in the year that King Uzziah died. In other words, it was in the time of mourning. It was a nation that was in mourning. They had lost their leadership. They didn't know where to go or what direction to go in. And then that's when God opens heaven and shows the prophet Isaiah his rulership, his leadership. He says, I am the one seated on the throne. And in light of this, this, uh, this heavenly encounter that Isaiah says uh, or that Isaiah uh, has, he sees himself and then he sees what's happening and hears what's happening in heaven. And what's happening in heaven Are these living creatures singing salvation song? They're singing the eternal song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord set apart. There is no one like you. Do you know that holy is reserved only for God? There's so many. Things that we could say about who Jesus is. There's so many things we could say about his nature, but holy is a complete word. It contains the very substance, the character, the nature, the tenderness, the goodness, the kindness, the mercy, the judgment. The righteousness holy contains the full measure of who Jesus is. That's why you don't need to say holy cow. There ain't no holy cows, you know what I'm trying to say. He alone is holy. And it says that the whole earth is full of his glory. This means, and this alludes to a coming reality on the earth, that the whole earth is going to experience the glory, the knowledge of the glory of God, and the whole earth is going to join into the same song that Isaiah saw and heard the four living creatures singing. In fact, Malachi 1.11 says that for, from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, sh- incense or worship shall be offered to my name in a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. There's a couple of things he's saying from the rising of the sun to its setting. In other words, 24 hours a day in every place on the earth, my name is going to be made great among the Gentiles. Now, this is we see Gentiles and Jews in the Bible, but we don't understand that, that God makes the entire gospel about ethnicity. The Gentile nations are every people group on the earth, Africans, Asians, it's every people group on the earth who are not natural born Jews. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So God is saying that every people group on the earth is going to know my goodness. They're going to sing the same song that the angels and the four living creatures are singing. And in every place on the earth, worship is going to arise from them and they're going to join in salvation songs. I'm going to tie this together. Somebody say, tie it together, JT. In order for us to understand why this is important, we have to understand that all of the journey of human history is leading to a culminating moment where Jesus comes back to the earth, not as a lamb, but as a lion where he came the first time and he cloaked his glory, he came on a donkey and he came in humility, he came low, he's coming again as king of kings and as lord of lords. In fact, just this week, an album came out by a man who had postured himself as an enemy of God and built his entire career as one who was a blasphemer of God, even posturing himself as Jesus. His name's Kanye. And he he replaced the J in Jesus with Yay, the end part of his name, and called himself Jesus. And he was a blasphemer of God. In fact, God would say to him what he said to Saul Why are you persecuting me? But what happened is somewhere along the way, don't you know that God is so faithful? If you need to meet him as a deliverer, if you're an addict and you need deliverance, Jesus comes to you first and foremost as a deliverer. If you need comfort in your life, you've been abused and you need a counselor. He shows up to you and rescues you as a counselor. You posture yourself as being God on the earth in the flesh and you posture yourself as king, then guess what? Jesus shows up to Kanye West as king. So the salvation message that Kanye is now preaching is not, well, you know, Jesus is your Savior. Yeah, he's saying that, but his primary revelation of Jesus is, I thought I was king, and I don't know. I I wasn't in Kanye's bedroom, but I bet Jesus showed up and said, you better bow your knee. I am king of kings. So he releases an album called Jesus is King. Now what is, what, 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 is, what is interesting about this is that Jesus is coming back to the earth and he says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I am king. That's what Lord means, right? So the, so the frequency of worship and the frequency of preaching, and the frequency of revelation, the native sound that's going to emerge from the Gentile nations is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. This is a prophetic moment in the church. You have to understand, this is a significant moment in human history. God is frustrating our, 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 our confidence in the earthly kings, in the earthly governments of the world. So the protest movements that are emerging on the streets, the, the political turmoil and corruption and all these things that are being exposed, God is ultimately saying, I will shake everything that can be shaken. So that only the unshakable kingdom will remain. But in the midst of the shaking, God is developing a song. I won't have you talk to your neighbor too much, but look at your neighbor and say, I have a song. Would you look with me at Acts 17? I don't know what time I got up here. Acts 17 Starting at verse 24. Acts 17, verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath. And there's that word again, all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. Now, I could preach for the next hour on this passage alone. I'm not going to, but I do want to draw out a couple of key things. First of all, that he made from one blood every nation of men. So we are originally born into a human family. If you have the same blood, who, who are you family with? You're family with people who have the same bloodline as you, right? So according to the Bible... We're born into one human family. But then it goes on and it says, but he determined that every nation and every time you you see the word nation in the Bible, it's not talking about like nation in the sense of America or nation in the sense of, you know, uh, the UK. He's talking about nation. the, The translation is ethnos. And he has determined that every, he's, he's determined the boundaries and the pre-appointed times of their dwelling. So you had no say before God what era of human history you would be born in. As a kid in, in history class, I can remember uh, in English um, class, we had to do a history project and they asked us to write if you could live in any era of human history, wi- what era would you live in? And I started going back in time and I'm like, well, if I live in the if I live in the 1400s, I'm on a I'm on I'm on a slave ship. If I live in the 1700s, I'm a slave. If I live in the early 1900s, I'm not a slave, but I'm a sharecropper. I'm, and basically, I realized, I'm like, dude, I'm living in the best time I could ever live in right now. So that question, if God is good, but he's, he's determined the pre-appointed times, why did he pre-appoint that my ancestors would live in the time that they le- lived in? And Acts 17 answers the question, how many of you have ever gone to a church service where the pastor preached a sermon on the glory of God in chattel slavery? Pastor Mike, have you done a sermon series on that? Why is it that one of the most difficult and most painful and most, uh, 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 gut-wrenching things that has ever happened in human history, and particularly on American soil, nobody in the church has revelation on it. Then we wonder why there are still protests in the streets. It's because we've not reconciled the goodness of God to the pain of our past in our history. But right here, Acts 17 does it for us. It says, He did it, he determined where we would live and when we would live there so that we would seek the Lord in the hope that we might grope for him and find him. There are certain things that have happened in your life that you did not understand why they happened or why God allowed it, but God is good all the time. And even the worst thing that has ever happened to you was not as bad as it could have been. No, hold on. I I didn't get too much of an amen on that. That's okay. The worst thing that has ever happened to you was not as bad as it could have been. It was mercy that it wasn't worse than it was. Because the, 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 the extreme depths of pain that God allows you to walk through also is working in you A glory, it's 2 Corinthians 4, which says, I I do not lose hope. I fix my eyes not on what is seen, what is unseen. Because what what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this present and momentary trouble is working in me an eternal weight of glory. Are are y'all with me or is this too much? Our present and our momentary troubles are working in us an eternal weight of glory. So let me give you an example from my history, and I keep going back to slavery because I can. All right, so here's the point. So imagine it's, it's, it's Louisiana, and, and I'm in the field, and I'm hoeing the ground. Now what happened was, the technology of heaven began to come upon my great-great-great-grandmama and grandfather and them. They're out there and they're hoeing and they realize that they get more work done together when they sing. So they're like, oh, oh, oh. you got a leader and everybody's like, like doing it with me. Y'all can join in. So I'm going, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yo, yeah. Down by the river, I'm going to go down, down. Now, see, what's happening is Jesus, in the middle of the, 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 the furnace and the persecution and the fire of chattel slavery, he gives the slaves a supernatural communication system. He says, I'm going to help you do the work, and I'm going to help you communicate to each other. Now, the slave master, he's the, the quartermaster. He's just riding around on his horse, and he's like, these stupid Negroes, they just they just keep singing. He has no idea that they're passing information to each other. But then it goes further and they they in the middle of the field or, or, or my grandfather is on a post and he's being whipped. He's being he's being beaten and his flesh is being ripped apart and he calls out to his African demigods. He calls out in in, in Swahili to Katoka, and 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 nothing happens. And he's being bipped, he's being beaten, and he's being whipped, and he's being lashed. And all of a sudden, as he's, as he's drawing what seems like it might be his last breath, he's getting faint and he's dizzy because the pain is so intense. And in that moment of transience, in that state where he's just not fully present in this world, but he's not fully dead yet, all of a sudden Jesus appears to him and then turns around and shows him his back. And Jesus says, for every lash." that you took. I took to I am the Jesus of Isaiah 53. I'm the man of sorrows. I was beaten and rejected and, and, and abused. I am the God who can save you. Call out to me. And so Yeshua becomes what comes from his lips and 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 there's there's all these like afrocentric religions that will say, "Ah, well Christianity is a white man's religion." Look, look, look. No no white man could teach a black person how to do this. Hallelujah. I mean, for real, you know what I'm saying? So he comes out of the encounter from the whipping post. Listen to me. He comes out of the encounter from the whipping post, and he goes back to the field. And he's not just talking about orchestrating his own escape. He starts talking about how Jesus is going to orchestrate everybody's escape. So now he's going, Oh, Lord. One day, Lord. If not me. Let my children be free. Oh, Lord. If not me. One day, Lord, let my children be free. All of a sudden, his encounter with Jesus becomes a song of intercession. And every single time that song got sung in the fields, Every single time, not one lyric It rose before the throne room of heaven, and that same God that Isaiah saw, the one whose whose glory filled the temple, that incense of the song rose from the fields of Louisiana and Texas and Mississippi and Alabama and the Carolinas and Georgia, and it rose before the throne room of God, and it took a 100 years, and then it took 200 years, but finally God says, I'm storing up the prayers in the bowls, and a day came where he says, I'm going to going to tip it over and I'm going to pour out a deliverance on a nation. So now you go to a black church and people are like, man, why they so so emotional, man? Does it take all that? Like, you know what I'm saying? But imagine if you were in chains for hundreds of years. So when the freedom came, it was a great deliverance. God uses the trouble in your life to create the song of salvation. Listen to me. Some of you are like, man, well, I'm Asian, I'm this. Why are you talking so much about black people? Here's what I'm trying to say. Listen, there is a global song that is going to come forth from the Gentile nations at the end of the age. And God is working in you a native sound right now. This is why Pastor Michael was trying to prod you into praise. Because praise is a weapon for real. And praise is intercession that shifts things in the heavens. So we have to understand that we're part of a family. We're part of a family that we see Paul allude to in Ephesians 3. If you'll look with me at Ephesians 3, 14. Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14. We're going to read through 19, but he says this. For this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and the family in earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ, somebody say that Christ, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints What is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? Now, this word fullness, it's talking about there's a fullness of times that's coming and there's a fullness in Christ that he is bringing us into right now. The whole earth will be brought into a fullness reality in Christ. And he says, I pray that you would be strengthened with supernatural power on the inside to actually understand the love of God, which is unknowable. It's so wild. What's amazing about in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit's poured out is that you have people from every different nation in the room together. And the Holy Spirit comes. And what was so amazing is that they could understand one another. Now, I love the fact that we did a panel discussion this afternoon that was awesome. And I love the fact that we create spaces in our churches for folks who don't look like each other or come from different political persuasions or different uh, cultural uh, worldviews. I love it when we create spaces in our church to sit down and to try to hear and understand one another. But you have to understand that it took the Holy Spirit to come upon the Gentile nations that were in the room, in the upper room. It was after the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit came that they were able to understand one another's language. I'm here to tell you that you won't understand what I've been through as a black man. I won't understand what you've been through as a a refugee or an immigrant. I can't understand why. Why you think the way you think as a white person, unless I have the power of the Holy Spirit translating our languages and our perspectives for one another. So what Paul says in this passage is he says, I pray that together with all the saints, you would be able to understand how high, how wide, how deep and how long, how patient, how far back, how 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 um, um, faithful the love of God is. That denotes that we cannot understand the fullness of the beauty of God without each other. What does this mean? I talk about native sound. I talked about the sound, the native indigenous sound that came out of the, the African uh, uh, diaspora from slavery. Every culture has a native sound or even a native gift to bring before the Lord. There is a way that uh, uh, my, my wife, who is, who is very not Hispanic, um, she was on a competitive salsa team. And they did like the bachata. Anybody know what the, the bachata is? And uh, you know, she could practice all she wanted. And I'd even practice with her. I'd be like, do, 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 boop, 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 All about the hips, you know? You know? And I'm like, yo, I'm pretty good. You know, I get kind of confident, right? Then we get into the salsa club, and these, these Latino guys are out there like, boop, boom boop, boom. I'm like, yo, what's this do? I just can't move the way they can move, you know what I'm trying to say? And then, you know, you, you know, anybody ever watched The Voice? Anybody seen the show The Voice? You know you can tell what a black person sounds like versus a white person. You can. I, at least I can. I mean, maybe I'm just. But the bottom line is there is a sound that God has encoded within every people. There's a redemptive gifting and a uniqueness that God has given to every person people group that he's going to redeem at the end of the age. And so what happens is, John sees in Revelation 7, he says I see a multitude from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation worshiping around the throne saying, holy is the Lamb. So he sees this multitude, and it wasn't all of them looking at a screen singing the same song the exact same way. They're singing the same song, but what it looks like is that guy in the shorts, in the the sandals on an electric guitar going, our God is an awesome God. He's standing before the throne doing his punk sky awesome God song, and right next to him is, is a dude from, uh, 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 from the Maasai tribe in, in Kenya where they jump and they do like this. Anybody ever seen those? And that dude's next to him in Swahili or Kenya, whatever it is, and he's going, Our God it's an awesome God. You know? And then the, 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 the Latino's going, Our God it's an awesome God. You know what I'm saying? And, and and so and so all of a sudden around the throne, can you imagine the scene in heaven right now? You you grew up Presbyterian or whatever it was or Lutheran, and you thought the only way to truly worship was to be quiet and be silent like this. Oh God, is an awesome God. You know, but 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 that's there too. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So all of a sudden, when you get together with all the saints, you begin to understand what fullness looks like. But we have to understand the times. And in Matthew 24, it tells us the disciples are asking Jesus, what will it look like in the day of your return? What are some of the signs of the times? And he says, I would have you turn there. You can write down the reference if you don't want to turn there. But in Matthew 24, he says, for nation, again, ethnicity, ethnic group will rise against nation, ethnic group. And kingdom will rise against kingdom. There's a distinction. It's not nation to nation, kingdom versus kingdom. He's basically saying, in the last days, before Jesus returns to the earth, one of the signs that you're nearing the day of the Lord is that ethnic tension is going to increase and then he says kingdom will rise against kingdom there will be an increase in the 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 the, uh, the obvious clash between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness i don't know if you guys know this but i do a lot of work with young adults and youth and there are some artists even now who are like it used to be when i grew up in high school you had like The crazy, satanic artist, but it was kind of like undercover. Like you had to play the record backwards, you know, to hear the satanic message. You know what I'm trying to say? Now it's like Vimeo, YouTube, Billboard, top ten, Satanism. Like for real. Witchcraft and darkness is just like front and center in the culture. And meanwhile, God is using the racial conversation to distinguish, I believe, like sheep and goats, who's actually in the kingdom of God and part of his family and who's not. Because 1 John 3 says, how can you love God who you have not seen if you can't love your brother who you can see? He actually says that your ability to love someone who doesn't look like you actually is a sign of whether or not you're even in the faith. So God is using the ethnicity conversation, the racial climate, to actually separate out the sheep from the goats. And he says that that's part of the clash of kingdoms because what happens when we pass through the blood of Jesus, is this all right, Michael, or are we still okay? Y'all going to sleep tonight? Okay. We pass out of our mother's womb and we walk in this nature, our primary identity black white whatever we are but this is the cross and what happens is we pass through the blood of jesus and now i'm a part of a family that looks like we might have had the same skin color over here but we had different fathers we had, different, we had a different spirit, but now when the world is waging war over black and white and, 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 and all these different issues over here that are tied to our earthly identity, I pass and I live above that because I'm a part of a family. I've been purchased by God, and he purchased brothers and sisters for me that look nothing like me from around the world. I walk in my spiritual man as my primary identity. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So God says that in the last days, we're going to see this clash, this increase. But in Isaiah 2, I hope you're still with me tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm winding it down. Now, I'm a black preacher. That means I get four closes. I haven't, even started, I haven't even started hooping and hollering yet. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but in the church I grew up in, and like close to the end of the message, all of a sudden the, the organ pipes up ha, and my voice starts going like this. Ha, and God said, ha. y'all know what I'm talking about. OK. <laughs> OK. All right. So listen. Isaiah 2, it says, now it shall come to pass. In the last days, some say in the last days. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as chief among the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the ethnic groups will, will flow to it. There's a day where all the nations are going to come up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God. And it says this in verse 3, many will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, or another, in another words, Jesus is installed as king in Zion, and from that place, he rules in justice and righteousness. So again, God is shaking our confidence in the justice systems, even of this age, in this earth, because he is bringing a kingdom with a kingdom government, and it says right here, he will judge between the ethnic groups And rebuke many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares. In other words, a sword is what you use to fight one another, and a plowshare is what you use for the harvest. God is going to take the very things, the very issues that we've used to disagree and to fight one another, and turn them into instruments of harvest. And then it goes on and it says, Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Then in Isaiah 60, He talks about what he's going to do when he rules from from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem becomes this, almost like the Washington, D.C. of the whole earth. In Revelation, it says a city comes down from heaven. So that city that's 1,500 miles wide and 1,500 miles high comes to the earth. In fact, I was uh, pulling up in the house the other day with my 8-year-old daughter, Mira, She's beautiful. She's awesome. If she were here, I'd just have her stand here so you could see how cute she is and just like we would spend like 20 minutes just looking at her. Just like. You want proof of God, just look here anyway. OK, so so the point is, I pull up to the house and I just jokingly, I said, we have arrived at our de- We have come to our destination. And then she goes and our destination has come to us. And the preacher in me is like, oh, my gosh. That will preach. Oh, my God. We have come to our destination. And our destination has come to us. Isn't that the holy invitation? Come up here. Come up to the mountain of the Lord. I will show you. I will teach you. Revelation 2, come up here. Come up. Things are going on in the world. Look at the news. Look at what's happening. Look at Facebook. Look at Instagram. Look at Twitter. Look at this. Look at what Donald Trump's doing. doing it, And God's saying, come up here. Come up. come up. Come up. Come up. Well, I feel this. Why does this happen to me? My life matters. Blah, blah, blah. Come up here. Come. Come. Come to the table. Come to the table. Come up. This is your heavenly home. This is your destination. But guess what? I'm coming to you. Heaven is coming to the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. As you go up, heaven comes down. As you go up, heaven comes down. There's an increase of the kingdom that God desires to release in our midst. And he wants to turn our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy. And he wants to raise an offering of worship out of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And in Isaiah 60, it says he is going to beautify his beautiful house. He's going to actually decorate his house with the wealth of the nations. There's a holy procession. I don't know if you've ever been into like a billionaire's house. Or a multimillionaire. And you're walking through and they're like, yeah, I got this from that vase, that vase we got from the Amazonian tribe of the. And then you walk, oh, yes, this pen right here, that's the tusk of uh, a pygmy elephant. We got it from the. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like there's goods that they got out of the nations that only come from those pre-appointed boundaries and dwelling places. There's things that grow in, in, in Columbia that you can't grow in Albany, New York. And God is hes gathering the wealth of the nations, the, the natural resources and the goods, to decorate his glorious house in the eternal glory and beauty of the nations, and it's going to be filled with this glorious eternal song. And so tonight he wants the native sound, the wealth of Albany, New York. He wants you to be able to see that it's not just, hey, I need to serve people that don't look like me because those poor people. You got to understand that you need every people group around you to operate in the fullness of what God's called them to be. In other words, I don't step into my fullness until you step into yours. If we're a family, I need the whole family to be healthy or, I, or else we're all sick. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So tonight, would you just stand with me? Could we get a musician or two? Unless I want to sing a cappella, which we could do it. I believe that I believe that God wants to mark messengers, artists and creatives. I believe that God wants to 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 lose divine grace. I believe God wants to even lay His hand on some of us. And deliver us from the pain of our past. Not just related to uh, cultural journeys, but even just personal experiences, things that you've not yet been healed from. And God wants to turn your sorrow into a song. He wants to turn your sorrow into a sound. So I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And I just say, Holy Spirit, would you loose your ministry even now? God, I thank you for opening heaven to us like you did Isaiah and like you did to John. Like you did to me at 14 in in Pensacola, Florida. God, I'm asking that you would give us a vision of that realm of eternity. Lord, I'm asking that you would cause the native sound of Albany, New York, and the surrounding areas to begin to be unlocked tonight, God, as we see you for who you really are. Lord, I'm asking for Revelation 2 encounters with you, God. I'm asking for Isaiah 6 encounters with you. I thank you, Jesus, that you are justice. I thank you that Isaiah 42 says, Behold my servant upon whom I place my spirit. He will accomplish justice for the nations. He will bring justice to the people groups of the earth. God, I'm asking right now for every historically oppressed, for every individual in this room from a historically oppressed people group who's carrying the sorrow of many generations. Lord, I'm asking now, Father, that you, would reveal the Isaiah 42 Jesus to them, God. Lord, that you would replace bitterness and anger and rage with trust and hope. God, I'm asking right now, Father, for my majority culture, brothers and sisters in here, Lord, I'm asking that you would fill them with your desire and your glory and your compassion. And Lord, that you would lose a spirit of adoption even for the nations. Lord, I'm asking that you would release nations to individuals in this room tonight. God, I thank you that you said that if we'd ask, you would give the nations to us as an inheritance. And they are your inheritance, Lord Jesus. I really believe that there are missional callings in this room that God wants to release tonight. I believe that there are orphans and widows I believe that there are governmental systems, there are even businesses and blueprints that God desires to release tonight as you say yes, as you say yes in your hearts tonight. God, God wants to raise up a native sound and an offering out of every tribe and tongue and nation. And some of those nations are even just spheres of influence in society. And God is marking you tonight. He's marking you tonight to go willingly as a bondservant as a bond slave, maybe even into to areas that you know nothing about and people who do not look like you. Paul says, I'm a bond slave of Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. Paul was a Jew. And God sent him to people who do not look like him, and he was, he was uh, indebted, he was in, in, in bondage in a good way to the cause of Christ for those who look nothing like him. I'm here tonight. I believe that God is is loosing missional callings in this room right now. And if you know that's you, maybe as I'm even saying it, when I first said it, you felt something leap in your stomach or you're even feeling a manifestation of heat right now, like heat on your hands or heat on your stomach. If you're feeling that or you felt a jump in your stomach, would you come forth right now? Would you just come and stand at the altar? Sometimes we don't pay attention to our physiology and it's actually the Holy Spirit bearing witness. He's actually marking you. He's real. He's present. Sometimes we're in the presence of God and we, we're 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 just like engaging intellectually, but it's not in our belly. But the Bible the Bible says, out of the belly flow rivers of living water. So sometimes the Holy Spirit is 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 putting a baby in you or has put and, and that, that feeling you feel right here is where it drops from your from your head and from your heart down into the place where you give birth. And then he and then when, when you're giving birth, there's a groan that gets released. And I believe that God wants to release a groan in your hearts tonight. Others of you, you may not have felt anything, but you feel like I'm talking to you. You can come down to it. It's fine. Would you just open your hands? You, You could raise them if you want to, or you can just have them in a posture of receiving. But I'm asking, Holy Spirit would you be fully released right now? God, I'm asking right now, would you release grace and glory? Father, I'm asking right now that you would loose the travail of heaven that gives birth to nations. Can a nation be born in a moment? As soon as she travailed, she gave birth. Lord, I'm asking right now that, that we would feel what you feel, God, I'm asked for holy grippings even now at this altar. Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would open up the scrolls and lucid seals. Lord, I'm asking now for blueprints from heaven to begin to be released on hearts now. You who wrote the law on the rock, God, I'm asking every hardened heart, God, you would write, your hand would begin to write now on their hearts, Jesus. I'm asking for divine, supernatural dreams. I just hear, there's some of you, you heard the Lord years ago tell you to go after something. This is for somebody. You heard the Lord tell you to go after something, and you went after it. You're trying to be obedient. You paid a price. You paid the cost, and it did not happen, and the baby got aborted. Or you thought it got aborted, but the Lord says, no, I resurrect the dead. And even now, he's inviting you to go for it again. He's inviting you to go for it again. And you have to believe again and say and renounce the hopelessness and the despair and know that he's a good father and he leads you in the green pastures. And the God says, I'm going to give you grace again to go for it again. Sign up again in your heart. Sign up again, God says. Father, I'm asking right now. I'm asking, God, you said, Beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So, Lord, I thank you for beautifying feet right now. I thank you for strengthening feeble knees and weakened backs. In fact, there's somebody here who has serious back problems. You've had recurring back problems, and you have pain on the left side of your back right now. Would you wave your hand right now if that's you? That's you? You have pain on the left side right now? Can I get one sister just just to put your hand? Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for removing every arrow of discouragement. God, every invisible arrow of even word curses and witchcraft that have been spoken over her. We cast it down in Jesus' name, and we appropriate the blood of Jesus in the finished work of the cross over my sister. Now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the the issue in the back, God. And, Lord, I thank you now for loosing divine healing right now, God, straightening out, God, every atom, God, every cell in her body, bringing it into alignment with the finished work of the cross. And now, Father, I thank you for loosing the dreams of heaven, God, on her that she can run again, God, that she can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint in Jesus' name. You have a a problem in your left knee. Would you you wave your hand? You have a, a problem in your left knee? Is that somebody back there? Are you waving it? Lord, we just bless our sister right now. God, we're asking, Father, that you would loose divine healing in her left knee right now in Jesus' name. God, we thank you. We're asking you for a creative miracle right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for restoring our sister, that she can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. In Jesus' name. Now, this is, this is what happens. This is not about me being some, like, weird prophetic guy or, or anointed healing guy. The thing is, God bears witness on his word. He bears witness on his word with miracles, signs, and wonders, and he wants to strengthen you to be able to run the race and to go after what he's called you to do. I just feel like there's a scoliosis issue. Uh, Scoliosis. That's you. Anybody else with the scoliosis right here? Father, we just, we lift up our brothers and sisters with the scoliosis issues. Father, we thank you that you set your son, you installed the Lord Jesus as king over every ailment and you're reconciling all things to yourself through yourself so lord we thank you now for straightening backs in jesus name we rebuke the power of the oppression of scoliosis lord every chronic illness and even terminal illnesses in this room we thank you father that no disease known to man can stand before you god You are reconciling all things to yourself. So, Father, we thank you for the reconciliation. God, the reconciliation in our bodies. In our bodies right now, we thank you for loosing divine healing right now. Father, we're asking, raise up the testimony of Jesus and raise up the native sound of worship and praise. God, raise up the spirit of prophecy. God, would you touch our lips with hyssop? that we would testify and declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. Some of you have discerned a calling to preach and to teach. You're not in vocational ministry. You're not in occupational ministry. But you have a love for the Word, and God's anointed your mind. In fact, I I feel like I know who this is. But if that's you, would you raise your hand? You feel like God's anointed your mind for preaching and teaching, But you've yet to step into it. God, I'm asking now for divine grace right now. Would you open the scroll? Lord, I'm asking that they would eat your word. God, that you would make them eat your word and it would be sweet to the taste and bitter to the spirit. Lord, that you would raise up, God, uh, mouthpieces for you, teachers and preachers, proclaimers of the gospel. Lord, I'm asking for the evangelistic anointing to be released in a greater measure. God, I thank you, Lord, for filling even this room every seat filled with the preaching of the gospel. God, I'm asking, Lord, would you release a native sound in Albany? Lord, we're asking, God, that you would do a work on the streets of this city through the raised hands, God, through the willing vessels, God. I pray that there would be a harvest of souls at the next Pride Festival, God. The LGBTQ community would come to know Jesus in mass, God. We're asking for a harvest in this region like never before. God, we're asking, we're asking now for every minority community in Albany right now that they would bow the knee to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. God, we're asking for restoration and reconciliation. God, would you pour out your spirit? Would you pour out your spirit on Albany, New York? God, we're asking in Jesus' name and all the surrounding towns.